Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Hey, this is going to be a real life stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast, a missions edition. It's been a while. We had for a time, we had a series called Real Life Stories, and we're connecting with people, hearing their testimonies and what God is doing in their life. And so we're revamping that, and now we're going to put a missions twist on it. So for the next weeks and probably months to come, I have a bunch of missionaries lined up where we're going to hear their stories and hear what God is doing in their lives today. We have a special missionary named Chris Carter from Japan, missionary to Japan. He's going to be joining us, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But before we dive into that, I just want to encourage you guys, as always, to like, share, and subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. And just as a little side note, just send up a prayer there to Jesus for our guy, Dr. R.B. Maynard. He does the verse-by-verse. He is uh, not out, but he had shoulder surgery, so he's just fresh off of that, so he's kind of getting back into the groove of life. He's actually probably just sitting on his couch right now watching Golden State Warriors games and probably actually watching the old championship game so he can relive those moments. So say a prayer for our guy, Dr. R.B. Maynard. Well, let's get into it and let's welcome uh, to the Grace Point Daily Podcast today, missionary Chris Carter. Chris Carter, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Very good. Hand clap for you. Join in the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Great to have a missionary on. It's been a while. We've had missionaries on in the past, the Grace Point Daily Podcast. But you're the first one in a while. You're the first one in the COVID era, I guess, on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be with you. <laughs> all right. Well, Chris, we are going to talk about you being a missionary to Japan and, and all that good stuff. But as we kick it off, why don't you just give us a little kind of overall bio of who you are, your family, etc.? Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm Chris Carter. My wife is Lindsay, and uh, we've been married 22 years. We have uh, three kids, uh, an 18-year-old, his name is Wesley, and then uh, our daughter Adelaide is 16, and then our youngest son, Hudson, is 14. We've been in Japan for uh, 10 years. We've been AGWM missionaries uh, since 2005, so this is going into year 16, Uh, and I'm from Alaska. Uh, That's our sending district in the Assemblies of God. My wife uh, grew up in Southern California, and uh, I was called to be a missionary when I was 17 at a youth camp, and my wife, Lindsay, was called uh, when she was six uh, in missionettes. So um, that's kind of the the overview of who we are. Wow, that's great. Now, talk to me about who who you are. Did you grow up in Alaska? Yeah, I was born in Alaska. My uh, my grandparents actually homesteaded in Alaska in 1951, and uh, they had a big 120 acre homestead on a beautiful lake up there in Alaska. And uh, they gave each of their kids five acres, and so uh, I grew up on the family homestead in uh, Nikiski, Alaska, really big city. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what's, I mean, I think it's funny as I get older, you talk to people that have perceptions of certain areas of the world or parts of the country. And so, you know, for us, I've never been to Alaska. So in, in my brain, you probably had like a pet bear growing up and you salmon fished every day, things like that. Well, it's not far off. Uh, <laughs> we did have bears come into our yard quite often. And uh, we had like a big metal dumpster in our yard. They would come uh, like once a month to empty it. And we had a, a big grizzly bear one time come into our yard 
and flip that thing over to get our trash. So, you know, that kind of stuff <laughs> did happen. Um, and my dad was a commercial salmon fisherman. So uh, I grew up, you know, picking fish, as we call it. Uh, okay. So, yeah, just about every day in the summer, I was fishing for salmon. That's true. Well, there you go. See, I'm, I'm a prophet. I wasn't far off, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so did you grow up in a Christian home then, Christian background? Yeah. Uh, my parents uh, went to uh, an Assembly of God church in Nikiski called Aurora Heights Assembly of God. And, you know, I was dedicated there and baptized there and, um, you know, as part of that church, I was called into missions. So yeah, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church. Wow. So it sounds like your parents were active in the life of the local church and did they kind of give you that same spirit or, I mean, you were involved as a kid, teenager. What, would, what did your Christianity look like in terms of service growing up? Um, yeah, I was, I was definitely involved in youth group. My mom was the missions coordinator uh, at the church. So uh, maybe it's not too surprising that I ended up becoming a missionary. Uh, I went to all of the youth camps and I was really involved in the youth group. I led the um, Youth Alive Club. I was the president of that at our high school. Um, and I went on uh, missions trips as a high school student. So yeah, I was really involved in the local church growing up. Cool. You, so you did go on some short-term, what were your short-term missions trips in high school as a young person? Uh, in high school, the first one I went to... Or junior was, high or, you know, your your beginning missions trips. Yeah. The, well, okay, here's what happened. Um, I, I used to work in a theater doing like theatrical lighting and sound and we did a lot of concerts and stuff like that. And, you know, I started doing that when I was 14. And when I was doing that, I was going to church, but I wasn't, you know, like a super strong Christian. Okay. Um, but my mom, being my mom, um, signed me up to go for a entire summer with a group called the Continental Singers. Okay. Um, I've heard of that before. I was, I was in uh, into theater. And so I, without even asking me, she she did an application and sent it in for the comp continental singers. And she's like, you're going on this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and so I spent three months with them in the United States. Uh, we, we did, you know, one show a night and two on Sundays okay. for an entire summer. And that was basically um, continentals being that you travel to local churches and sing yeah. and do ministry yeah, of that yeah. sort. Yeah. I can't sing by the way. So never ask me to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> But the thing was, uh, I was running lights for those shows. Okay. That experience changed my life. And it wasn't because of, you know, really the, the shows we were doing. It was because for the first time in my life, they made me have an hour long quiet time every day. <clears throat> and so, you know, I was reading the Bible and praying for an hour every day for the first time in my life. And uh, as I started doing that, I found that God started to talk to me. And that pretty much changed my life. Before then, I had just planned to, you know, become a scientist. But after that trip, I started to think, well, hey, I should ask God what I need to do with my life. Hmm. And I started praying about it. And that led to an experience at 
uh, youth camp where I was slain in the spirit and I had a vision uh, of God's throne. And God said to me, uh, Chris, you're going to be my missionary. And mm. so that that short term trip led to my call. Wow. Then, uh, I went on a short term trip to China was the next one I did in high school. And then after that, I went on short term trips every year um, all through college. Wow. Powerful. So, Chris, you're suggesting that if you read the Bible and pray and spend time with God, he'll talk to you. You're, you're telling me that? I'm absolutely telling <laughs> you that. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, as as someone who grew up in the church, you, you would think that I would have gotten that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't happen for me until someone made me do it. You know, there was nothing I could do for the, that one hour except pray and read my Bible. So I, I started doing it. It wow. was life-changing. Hmm, that's awesome. Did you, and so I know, obviously, that is really where God spoke to you. Now, I know you mentioned your mom. Sounds like she's kind of a go-getter, uh, has a real heart for the Lord. Is that something that she spoke over you as a, as a young person? Was she, as you're growing up, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be my little missionary. Or was that something she just let, let happen naturally? Well, she forced yeah. it. I mean, she made you go on that short-term missions trip. But Yeah, I don't think she had it in mind. Uh, life in missions at that time, she just wanted me to, you know, do something for God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I don't really think she pushed me into missions or had that idea. Um, it was really just God. Yeah. Awesome. So as you get in high school, then the, the next progression from going from a high schooler to college, what did that look like? Or was it like the dream was then, okay, I got a, the next pathway or next, next step in the path is to go to Bible college or what did that look like? Well, um, when I had that vision and God said, Chris, you're going to be my missionary. You know, my first impulse was just to drop everything and move overseas. Um, because, you know, God had spoken, and I figured I better just do it. But my youth pastor counseled me to go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, I spent the next nine years in college. Okay. Um, so I went <laughs> to Bible college at Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Um, then I ended up going on to the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. Um, and when I was there, I... I had this um, prophetic word spoken over me by one of my professors. Uh, They were doing a ceremony at the uh, beginning of a semester. And um, there's this professor, Gary McGee. He's kind of famous in the Assemblies of God, so some people may know who that is. Um, Anyway, Gary McGee was standing in his doctoral robes by the drinking fountain before the ceremony. And I was there talking with one of my friends. And uh, Professor McGee, who, by the way, is the, the most difficult professor I think I've ever had. Um, <laughs> okay. He, he came up to me and he took off his doctoral hat and he put it on my head and he said, Chris, you're going to wear one of these. And um, there were there have been some things I was praying about. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me at that moment. And I knew that that was a prophetic word. Um, so anyway, it's a long story, but I finished uh, my degree in biblical languages at the seminary. I got a master's degree in that. Then I went on for another master's in theology at Fuller Theological Seminary and then ended up doing a Ph.D. in New Testament studies at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. Um, okay. So and it was after that that we ended up going into missions. 
Wow. So now uh, let me back up here a second. Did you say you met your wife in, was it high school or college or? I, I met my wife uh, when I was in college in Springfield on this thing called find your roommate a date. Okay. It was, it was a blind date set up by a couple of our friends. So this is like pre-internet dating days, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. pre-internet days. <laughs> And when you met her, uh, what did that, how did that go? That was like instant love or what was, did it take a while? How'd that progress? Well, um, we were on this blind date and I, I got interested cause I was taking this apologetics class at the time and I started talking with her about it and she, she could talk with me intelligently about apologetics and that piqued my interest. Um, so I asked her on a second date and I took her to a really nice restaurant, you know, called the Olive Garden. And, um, Praise God! We, Free all you can eat breadsticks. Absolutely, the ladies yeah. love it, <laughs> and the salad, salad and breadsticks. Yeah, got me, a, got me a wife. <laughs> so. Anyway, so um, we were on that date, and um, I told Lindsay on that date, I'm like, look, God's called me to be a missionary, so if you can't be a missionary, we probably shouldn't date. And she looked at me, and she's like, you know, I was called to be a missionary when I was like six years old. So I wouldn't even think about dating you if you weren't called to be a missionary. So anyway, hmm. uh, we kind of talked about that on our, our first real date after the blind date. And we were both going the same direction. Um, so that was, you know, really important for us. Yeah, that's great. You know, I have a daughter that she loves missions, super passionate about it. And the one thing I keep preaching to her over and over again is just that that how locked into the calling of God that you need to be and that uh, th- that that the calling of God is paramount. And, you know, the people, and you know, one, including a spouse, those things are all important. God will bring those into the right time frame and the right place as long as you stay locked into the calling. What would you say to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, many missionary calls end with the wrong spouse, because there's no way you can do this if one person has a call and the other doesn't. Hmm. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, awesome. So now, did it feel like you said from the moment you went to, you wanted to just jump in right away? And I think there's Man, there's so many great points here that we could super dive into. But I know that that's one thing I always encourage people to as a pastor is I think sometimes God speaks to us. He gives us a call. The immediate response is that we want to jump in right away. We just want to go full force into it. But uh, the, the the calling of God is usually a process. And that, that process usually takes longer than we want it to. Or it feels like it takes longer than we want it to. For you, it was nine years. Was did that feel like forever? Or was it like I'm never going to go to the mission field? Or how did that flush out for you? Yeah, it was difficult at first. Um, but like I said, every summer I went on a short term trip somewhere, so I kept okay. I kept my hand in missions the the entire time. And then at the end, we I was actually doing my PhD in Scotland, uh, which is you know. 10% Christian. So mm-hmm. it's a very unreached uh, country. And so I was involved in the Alpha program, leading the Alpha course, uh, involved in a student um, 
ministry group on campus because, you know, I went to a secular university for my PhD. So most of the students are 14,000 students at the university and most of them uh, were not Christians. And so we did what was called the postgraduate Christian fellowship and invited non-Christians to come and fellowship with us and have a meal and hear like uh, a devotional and talk about it. Um, and we we saw like um, this guy named Mashal, he was doing a PhD in petroleum uh, engineering, and he was from Iran, and he became a Christian through mm. our ministry at the postgraduate lunch. And I saw several people uh, find Jesus through our ministry at the Alpha program in Scotland. And so, it, you know, that was kind of missions and uh, it helped. Sure. Yeah. It helped because I wanted to be a missionary, and and as I was studying, I kind of was. Yeah, very cool. So then, now let's now that we're kind of walking through your story, you get to the end of your PhD, and how do, how does things how do things progress from there? Um, well, a lot of miracles happened uh, to get us into missions because uh, we were taking out student loans along the way. And so um, we got to the end and, you know, AGWM had this policy where you, you could only have uh, $200 a month payments uh, in student loans, but our payments were $1,200 because okay. um, between Lindsay and I, we have six degrees. So, you know, we got a lot of scholarships, <laughs> but we still had a pretty big student loan debt. Mm-hmm. and. Lindsay grew up in George Woods Church in Southern California. Um, and so I, I thought we should ask George Wood what he thought we should do, uh, whether we should just like, you know, go into ministry or teaching uh, and pay off some of those student loans before we go into missions. Okay. And um, George told us, no, you just need to apply. You just need to apply. And so we did, and they said, okay, um, what you have to do is you have to get people to sponsor your student loan debt independent (laughs) of your missionary support. And by the way, they can't get tax credit for that. Mm. So so they they have to give to you. What a great question to ask someone, you know, would you like to, would you like to sponsor my student loan debt? Yeah, exactly. So We're like, okay, that sounds like it'll totally work. But I, I mean, first person I would have called would you know Bernie Sanders. Then following that, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we thought, okay, well, George Wood said to try this. This is what they said. Let's give it a go and see what happens. And amazingly, we found those sponsors, hmm. um, and we, you know, we got it to the point where where we were able to go to the field. Um, and, you know, they actually had to sign a notarized thing saying that they would they would pay part of our student loan payments. Um, now, interestingly, not everyone paid once we once we got to the field. <laughs> so we really had to to um, live very frugally. But mm. we were able to um, we were able to make it. And so. Uh, it's just an absolute miracle that yeah. you know everything worked out for us to get to the field. Yep. Okay. To my daughters, which I will force to listen to this podcast. This is why you know we're tracking you to be debt free. Okay. There we go. Yeah. That Shout is out, debt- Dave Ramsey, debt freedom. 
that that's definitely <laughs> preferable. Um, so I did have some college debt myself, so I can't say I didn't have college debt. But anyway, now I have kids getting ready to go to college here shortly, and it's like, okay, we've got to work out that plan. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I got kids on the way too. By the way, <laughs> North Central now has a 100 percent missionary kids scholarship. So I have two kids looking at North Central wow. um, because they can go there tuition free. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Thanks, North Central. Uh, another another good thing of North Central. So, wow. So you get on the field was now you said Japan was not the first landing spot, but rather it was the, the Philippines was your first. Yeah. So we had spent a lot of time in Asia on short term missions trips. Uh, specifically, we'd spent uh, a summer in Thailand in like a remote area helping with the church plants. And, you know, basically our ministry was helping rice farmers farm rice and building relationships uh, through that. And so uh, when we were in Thailand, we met people like every day who were not only non-Christian, but they had never once heard the gospel. In Asia Pacific, we call those people the never reached. They hmm. never in the history of their families and countries had an opportunity to hear the gospel once. And we were just amazed at that and thought someone has to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so when we were ready to um, pick a country, we told the Assemblies of God, uh, you know, we're Asia Pacific. We told Asia Pacific, hey, we know God's calling us to Asia, but we don't know where. Um, so where would you where do you need us? And they said, well, we would really like you to go to the seminary in the Philippines where we have people from all these 20 different nations um, studying so that they can, you know, train pastors in the Bible colleges of Asia Pacific. Uh, that's where we really need you. And so we said, OK, yeah, we'll do that. And uh, I was teaching New Testament at the seminary for our first term. But during that time, we went to this area retreat and it was an early morning prayer meeting, and Russ Turney, our regional director, read a, a letter from a retired missionary who had been in Japan, and it was a really whiny letter. It was like, hey, what's wrong with you guys in Springfield? You guys are idiots or something. Don't you know that Japan is unreached? Why aren't you sending more missionaries to Japan? It was, I mean, it was really harsh. Yeah, And, and Russ read this letter and um, he's like, you know what? We need to pray that God would send missionaries to Japan. And so we we're like, yeah, we'll pray for that. And as we we're praying, God spoke to both me and Lindsay at the same time. And he said, you're the answer to that prayer. Um, mm. And I knew, I knew it was him because when we were at Fuller Theological Seminary, I had a Japanese friend named Hide and we went out to dinner with him and his wife and after the dinner, I asked Lindsay, I said, hey, you know, we're going into missions. What about Japan? What do you think about Japan? And she said, I'll never go to Japan um, because I just I think the people are cold and I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, and so I thought, OK, Japan's off the list. So when God spoke to us both and Lindsay knew it was God, I was like, OK, this is you, God, because Lindsay wants to go to Japan. Mm -hmm. Wow. What, now, how long had you been in the Philippines before transitioning to Japan? We did a three-year term in the Three-year term, okay. And that was spent primarily then at a Bible college teaching, training? Yeah, it was at the seminary, about? so it was all, like, okay. 
graduate level, but yeah. Awesome. So what did, what did, what's it like to, you know, to go to Japan or uh, either one Philippines or moving your family over there? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Walk us through that as you step into a country. I mean, some of us, we've, you know, we've gone on a vacation or a short term missions trip, but that's a lot different. A short term missions trip is a lot different than, hey, now I'm getting off the plane and I'm actually going to live here. Oh, yeah, there's so much involved with that. Um, So like in the case of Japan, you know, almost no one speaks English. The Japanese language is really difficult. So, um, you know, we we kind of plopped ourselves down in the middle of this neighborhood. Uh, Our kids were going to a Japanese school and there were 600 students in the school and they were the only white kids in the whole school, the only non-Japanese kids in the whole school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'd go to like assemblies and there'd be like this sea of brown and then they would put our kids like right up front on stage in the middle of all of these Japanese faces. So they, they stand out like a lighthouse. Sure. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, we made all kinds of mistakes and couldn't communicate with our neighbors. Um, the, the houses in Japan are not insulated well. So, you know, they're like cold and wet and, um, adjusting to that was really difficult for my wife um you know the japanese culture is about as different from american culture as you can possibly get you know everything is indirect um people are very uh polite and don't speak to one another in public you know no one ever talks to anyone else at the grocery store um it's just so many things are completely different. So it was a, a, a really difficult adjustment for us. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> now what, what has been, what's God been doing in your time? Tell us some of the stories, the great things that you've experienced in your time duration there in Japan so far. Okay. So, uh, there's so much to tell. So our first night in Japan, um, God woke me up in the middle of the night and he said, go to the university. And so I went to the university and I, I had to learn Japanese. So I tried to study Japanese at the university uh, in our town. We live in Scuba, Japan. And so the University of Scuba is really famous. It's a big uh, science and technology school. They call it the MIT of Asia. And so I went to the university and looked into studying Japanese. It didn't work. Then I, uh, I met with the religious studies department and asked if I could be an adjunct professor and um, went to dinner with a professor and talked about it. And, you know, they eventually said no. I tried to get a library card at the university, uh, you know, just so I could be there because God said go to the university. They wouldn't even give me a library card. Um, so nothing was working. Uh, then some students at the church we were going to um, – asked if I would help with the Chi Alpha that they wanted to start. So mm. I started helping with that, and um, we, we started connecting with a lot of students, which was really cool. But two years after those meetings I went to, when I first came to Japan, one of the professors I met with called me back, and he said, hey, are you still interested in teaching at the university? And I said, well, sure. And so that I started uh, teaching some English classes as an adjunct professor, and um, that led to uh, a Christmas Eve 
class. They scheduled me to teach on Christmas Eve. My wife, Lindsay, was livid. She said, <laughs> I can't believe that you are working on Christmas Eve. I mean, she was really mad. Okay. And um, I said, well, let's just bring the whole family to class and do our Christmas Eve thing there. So we like brought cookies and pies and stuff. And I told the students, you know, look, I'm an American and I'm a Christian and we just don't work on Christmas Eve. So I'm going to just let you join in with our family and do what we always do. And so, you know, we gave them cookies and pies and stuff. And um, then I asked them, has anyone ever heard or, or what I what I actually asked them is, does anyone know the meaning of Christmas? And um, I had like 20 undergrad students and one guy raised his hand and he said, I think it has something to do with Santa Claus. And <laughs> I said, no, that's not quite it. And then I said to the students, look, you know, our family always reads the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. So I want to read it to you. So I read them the story of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke uh, about Jesus' birth. And not one of those 20 students had ever heard it before. Not one of them even knew that Christmas had anything at all to do with Jesus Christ. And so that night at the university, I explained the gospel to the entire class. Um, and that was just such a cool thing because God laid the foundation for that the first night I was in Japan. But it took two years to happen. Mm. Um, and from those connections at the university, we started to get students attending our church. Um, and God just, you know, has opened a lot of doors for ministry through the university that I, I couldn't have planned had I tried to. And in the beginning, it looked like, you know, his direction was a failure, but it turned yeah. out to be crucial. Wow, that's great. And so you have been pretty much then, has that been kind of what you've been doing for the most part then? You've been at the college in Japan? Uh, so, Or what does your ministry look at, like? At the, end, at the end of our first term, um, one of the other missionaries uh, asked me to become the interim pastor of the church that we were pastoring. And so uh, I said no, because I'm busy. And and so he looked for someone else, and eventually he said, you know, if you don't pastor this church, no one's going to do it. And and so I reluctantly became the interim pastor. Well, the church doubled in size over the next year. And as the missionary was about to come back from my generation, I, I contacted him and I said, hey, look, you know, the church is doing great, uh, but you need to build a new building because it's too small. And good luck with that. And and he said, no, you need to build the building because I'm retiring. Uh, so we became the pastors of Scuba International Christian Assembly on that day. And um, in the next term, I expanded the sanctuary, uh, did a building project, and the church has just continued to grow and uh, people are getting saved. And um, now what we're doing is God has given us a vision to plant 20 churches uh, along the train line that leads from our town of Scuba into Tokyo. Hmm. And we're doing a building project called the Scuba Express Discipleship Station uh, right now, which is going to be a church planting uh, resource center. So over this last term, we, we invited people to come and join us in Japan. God sent us a hundred 
short-term workers in the last term, and he called nine of them to join our church planting team as full-time missionaries in Japan. So our vision for church planting is to plant each church with a congregation of 100 people and a missionary team of 10. So we're trying to recruit 200 missionary church planters for Japan. Mm. Uh, God gives us 10% of the short-term people who come to us so far. So we're trying to get 2,000 people to come to Japan and to intern with us and pray about joining our team. Okay. And so this this building project is dorms uh, and apartments and uh, ministry space for building our church planting team. Uh, so that's like the big thing that we're working on right now. I also teach at the Bible College in Tokyo training Japanese pastors. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like it. Side note before I get, we do another podcast called Modern Christian Dudes out of our church. So it's a very guy driven uh, podcast, which we talk pro wrestling here and there a little bit. And so, cool. man, I love New Japan pro wrestling. <laughs> Are you aware of New Japan pro wrestling? This is the first I've heard of it. Okay. Wow. Uh, Japan has great pro wrestling. Great pro okay. wrestling. So I could, you know, help you in that endeavor if, if need be to reach out okay, to. I've got to, I've got to check this out. Yes. New Japan pro wrestling. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great thing. So, uh, they, they very snug and firm. It's very realistic, more real than American wrestling, but there you go. Go ahead and study that. All right. Well, Chris, Car Chris Carter, we appreciate there's some great stories that you shared with us kind of in conclusion, wrapping up this conversation. I know there's many stories that you could tell more and we can keep going on and on, but I think that gives us a great taste of what God is doing in your life, your testimony, but also how God is using you in Japan. And how can people that are listening to this podcast right now which are not just uh, Grace Point people, the church that I pastor, but people that are grabbing hold of this podcast right now, how they could pray for you, uh, reach out and connect. I don't know if that's appropriate, any social media type outlets where people are like, man, I want to follow up with that guy uh, and go there or something. So tell us how people can pray for you and how they might connect with you further. Well, the most important prayer uh, is to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more laborers to Japan. Uh, so please pray for the nation of Japan, that God would send more laborers to the harvest field. Japan is less than 1% Christian. It's a nation of almost 130 million people, uh, most of whom have never had the gospel explained to them adequately. They're the never reached. So pray that God would send workers and pray that his spirit would move and soften the heart of the Japanese people. Um, beyond that, uh, I beg you to come to Japan. Please come to Scuba and see what God is doing in Scuba. See what he's doing in our church planting initiative. Uh, join us and work side by side with us. You've got two months. You've got two weeks. If you've got a lifetime, uh, mm -hmm. come and see us. Yeah. We're the Carters in Japan. On That's our website and also our Facebook uh, page is the Carters in Japan. So if you're interested, you can go there. Please also like us on Facebook, the Carters in Japan, because that helps us to get the word out about yeah. the fact that we are inviting people to come to Japan mm. and join us. And maybe God's not calling you to come, <laughs> but 
he might be calling someone you know, one of your friends. Yeah. So please do like Amen. us on Facebook. Um, but my plea is come to Japan. Yes. Just come. Okay. What I hear you saying is come to Japan. I'm saying come yeah. to Japan. <laughs> awesome. Hey, guys, Chris Carter, the Carters in Japan. Check that out. This has just been some great stuff. We really appreciate it, Chris. God bless you and your family. Hey, guys, and thank you so much for listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.